Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? You guys doing okay? We're, uh, yeah, there we go. We're excited to be able to gather today and worship and uh, look at God's word and um, talk about Jesus, sing about Jesus, pray uh, to Jesus today. And uh, today and next, we'll be finishing uh, our sermon series uh, called Life on Mission, Go and Multiply. And so the topic for today and, uh, and next week will be discipleship. And so today, just to give you a big picture of where we're headed today and next, today will, will be all about macro discipleship. And so we'll be looking uh, at the question of what does it mean to grow as a disciple or follower of Jesus? And more specifically, what does that mean here at College Park Fishers? And then next week, we'll look at micro-discipleship. And so what does it mean to make disciples in more of a personal setting, more of a one-on-one setting or one-on-four setting um, as it relates to following Jesus in the realm of, uh, of discipleship? And so let's, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and, uh, and then we'll dive in. God, as our Bibles are opened now, we ask that you, by the Spirit, would open up our hearts. And God, we do confess that our hearts sing of Jesus this morning. And Lord, because that's true, we want to see Jesus in the Scriptures today, because we know that if we see Jesus in the Scriptures, that we'll be transformed, that we'll look more like Him. And so that's our prayer this morning as we look to your Word, God, that you'd use it to conform us to the image of Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, raise your hand if you have heard of Marble Hill Nuclear Power Plants in Indiana. Marble Hill Nuclear Power Plant in Indiana. Okay, we got one, two people, okay? And there's a reason for that. There's a reason why you've never heard of it. In 1977, there was an initiative to launch one of the largest nuclear power plants in the country, And seven years into the project, after sinking $2.5 billion into this project, the company behind the project just up and abandoned it and just left it. And uh, they they, they could no longer afford to continue on in the project. So there's a reason why you haven't heard of it. So it's just this this half-finished project uh, that's out there in Indiana. And the cost that went into it was $2.5 billion, the cost of of not finishing that project. And we've all been there before. We've all experienced starting a project and yet not finishing it. We've all felt the frustration of that experience, that that type of disappointment. And it's one thing to consider losing $2.5 billion on a project with trying to, to start up a nuclear power plant. But it's something completely different when you think about the cost it is for us, followers of Jesus, to no longer grow spiritually. But have you ever considered what it would cost you, what, what it would say if you stopped growing spiritually, if you just remained the same for the rest of your life? What, what kind of impact would that have? What kind of impact would that have on the relationships around you? What kind of impact would that have on on your influence in the workplace or your influence in the neighborhoods? What would that say about you as a Christian if you just stopped growing, if you discontinued your sanctification in, in following Jesus? Now, growth 
is an interesting concept to think about. We're intrigued with the idea of growth. We're almost amazed at growth. You could even go as far as saying that our culture is obsessed with the concept of growth. And growth is a good thing. We want to see growth happen in all kinds of areas of our lives. We want to see our flowers grow. We want to see our families grow. We want to see that number in our savings account grow. We want to see our businesses grow. We, we want to see our social media reach grow. We want to see our influence grow. Growth is a good thing. And I think most followers of Jesus want to grow. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a follower of Jesus that, that doesn't want to grow in some area of their relationship with God. And yet, I, th- I think it's different to have a desire to grow and yet to know how to grow. That sometimes we think that those are synonymous, and yet they're, they're very different to, to want to grow and yet to actually grow. Or to put it this way, if, if you were asked the question today after church, what does it mean to grow as a follower of Jesus? What, what would you say to that? If you were asked, what, what does it look like? What does it mean for a follower of Jesus to grow? Would you have a response to that question? Or, or maybe this one, why is it so important for followers of Jesus to continue on growing and looking more and more like Jesus? And if I could just be very honest with you this morning, here's my concern today. And, and this concern just comes from my own life and my own struggle of, of, of the Holy Spirit convicting me of this, that I think far too often we equate having a desire to grow with actually growing and looking more and more like Jesus. And I think the, the root of that is that we sometimes don't understand the cost of not growing as a follower of Jesus, that we sometimes misunderstand that, what does it really mean if I stop growing? And that's actually the very issue that the Apostle Paul is trying to address in Colossians, specifically Colossians chapter 2, that Paul is writing to a church where Paul is convinced that they have received Christ, that that they are saved, and yet he's unsure if they're going to continue on and grow and become more like Jesus. Paul makes this clear that the Colossians have received Jesus. That's what we see in chapter 1. But he's unsure if they're actually rooted in Christ and if they're being built up and if they're growing in Christ. And Paul has already addressed in this letter that by the time we've gotten to chapter 2, we've seen the centrality and lordship of Christ. That chapter 1 includes some of those beautiful and awe-inspiring descriptions of the supremacy of Jesus Christ. I know in my own life, whenever I get into a dry spell spiritually, I always go to Colossians 1 because the language about Jesus is just absolutely stunning. And so throughout this letter, we see Paul not only talk about the centrality of Jesus, but Paul gives warnings about the false teaching that's surrounding this church, false teaching that would hinder their growth, that would move them away from Jesus Christ. And so the issue that, that Paul's trying to address is not that they've received Christ. The issue is, are they actually going to continue on and live in Jesus? That they need to understand the significance of what it means to grow in Christ. And we see Paul's aim in this letter in chapter 1, verse 28. He says, him, Jesus, we proclaim. 
We're warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. That's what Paul is getting at. He wants them to grow in Jesus. And our passage this morning, along with verses 8 through 15, is the heart of Colossians. That in our verses this morning, we see Paul's summary of, of the basic response that he wants to see from the Colossians. He wants to see them grow in Christ. And so as we move through our passage this morning, and, and there, are, there are only two verses today, I want us to see three things this morning. I want, to see, I want us to see first the central command in this passage, that the central command is to grow in Christ. And not only that, but number two, I want us to see the shape of our growth. In other words, what, what should mark our growth in Christ? What should characterize our growth in him? And then thirdly, I want us to see how it is that we grow in Christ. What does that actually look like and, and how do we do it? And as we move through these passages, these verses this morning, I hope that the question that just echoes in your mind and in your heart today is this. Am I actually growing as a follower of Jesus? Am I actually bearing more fruit? Am I actually looking more and more like Jesus today? Or am I just staying the same? And I hope that question just kind of echoes throughout your mind this morning because I want us to see not only how to grow, but the cost if we don't keep on growing. And so let's look first at the command to grow, the command to grow in verse 6. Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. So the central command of our passage lies in this verse. It's fairly obvious. Paul says to walk in him. He's referring to Jesus. And this command that we see is actually the first command in the whole letter. And in fact, this command ushers in a series of commands that really dominates the flow of chapter 2, verse 6, through chapter 4, verse 6. And our two verses this morning serve as, as almost like a hinge between the first major section of this letter and the second major section of this letter. That Paul, in our verses today, he begins to turn the corner from the letter, moving away from proclaiming Christ to actually unpacking what it means to be in Christ and what it means to grow. And I just want to say, just before we dive into um, this command, that if you're not a follower of Jesus today, if, if you're not a Christian, that much of what I say today doesn't really apply to you. And the reason for that, and the reason why much of what I say doesn't apply to you is because we're, we're talking about what it means to grow in Christ. And so if you're not in Christ, you, you can't possibly grow in Jesus. And, and so before we we get too much farther into this. I, I just want to just stop briefly for just a couple moments and, and talk directly to those of you who are here and you're not a follower of Jesus. And what I mean by that, if, if you're not a Christian, what I mean is that you haven't placed your faith in Jesus yet, that you haven't repented of your sins, you haven't surrendered your life to Christ. And, and so if I could just talk to you right now for just a couple minutes, just to, just to be very, very blunt with you today, that whether you know it or not, that you were created for Jesus. If you're not a Christian today, you, you need to know that. That biblically, you were designed in such a way to have a relationship with your creator that glorifies him and gives you everlasting joy. You need to know that. That deep down, 
whether you know it or not, your soul is craving for Jesus. And you may not believe that, you may not know that that's true, but deep down, you're in your heart, the way that you were created by your creator is to be satisfied with Jesus. And perhaps all throughout your life, you've looked to other things to find that satisfaction, but you need to know that you were created for Jesus. And the bad news is that what the Bible teaches is that because of sin, because of sin, because of, of what all of us have committed, we are not only guilty, but it has damaged our relationship with our Creator. You need to know the bad news here. That the bad news is that you're guilty, that we're all guilty because of the sin that's in our life. And because of the guilt, we all deserve the consequences of our sin. And the consequences is death. It's eternal separation from God. Okay, so that's the bad news. But the good news, and remember, I'm talking to to people who aren't Christians right now. The good news is that 2,000 years ago, Jesus stepped in. That Jesus stepped in and he rescued us from our sins and from the consequences of our sins. So again, if you're not a Christian yet and you've been wondering, why do Christians make such a big deal about Jesus? This is the reason, is that Jesus took our place on the cross. That 2,000 years ago, he paid the debts that your sin and my sin created and he satisfied the wrath of God. That he took your place on the cross. And not only that, but he raised back to life three days later, conquering death, conquering sin, conquering our enemy. And because Jesus is perfect, because he lived a sinless life, if you place your faith upon Jesus, you receive his righteousness. It's absolutely amazing. It's it's incredible And if you're here and you're not a Christian yet, and I'm emphasizing the word yet because I really believe that because you're here today, God is wooing you to himself. I mean, think about that. If if you're not a Christian and you're here on Sunday morning instead of sleeping in, that is evidence that God is drawing you to himself. And and so my plea for you today is is to come to Jesus, to, to place your faith in Jesus, to, to experience what you've, been, what you've been created for, to experience this, this joy-filled relationship with God, to, to come to him today. And, and if you're thinking to yourself, no, there's no way I can come to Jesus today. There's no way that, that God's grace can extend to me. Pastor Chris, you, you don't know what I've done. You don't know the sin that I've committed. You don't know my past There's no way God's grace can can be extended to me. If you're thinking that this morning, then I just have to stop you and just remind you of the cross, to remind you of what Jesus said on the cross as he was dying for your sin. He says, it is finished. And what he's referring to, when he said that, he's, he's saying that it is finished. It's been paid for. Your past, your present, your future sin, all of it has been paid for, has been dealt with. Jesus didn't say it is finished except those horrible sins that you've committed. He didn't say it is finished except for the sin of divorce or, or the sin of adultery or the sin of pornography or, or the sin of drugs or, or murder. No, he's it is finished. All of it has been paid for. And not only that, but, but think about the people that God forgave in the Bible. 
Think about the person who wrote Colossians. The the letter that we're reading this morning was written by a man, the Apostle Paul, who was a murderer before he was saved. That Paul killed Christians. And yet because the grace of God is bigger still, God saved him and he used him to write most of the New Testaments. And so look, if if you're not a Christian and you're thinking, God can't possibly forgive me because of the things that I've done. That's a lie from the enemy, that God's grace is bigger still, and he can forgive you, and he can forgive you today, and that's available for you. And, and I just want to say, if you want to learn more about what that means and what that looks like, I'll be available after the service down here on the front. I would love to talk more about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. So in our passage today, Paul is writing to a group of believers who he knew they were saved, and yet he's unsure about their growth in Christ. That's why he's saying, continue on becoming more like Jesus. And that is the central command, walk in him. Paul uses the the Greek word for walk to get this central command across, that he says, just as you received Christ, so walk in him. And this word walk means to live. And, and we, I love how the, the NIV and another translation of the Bible kind of unpacks it this way. It says, continue to live your lives in him. Let your words be shaped by Jesus. Let the decisions that you make be influenced by Christ. But why does Paul add that phrase, in him? What, what's Paul getting at there? Well, because of what the Colossians were facing here, that they were facing false teachers, they were facing false teachings that were claiming that you can actually follow Jesus, you can follow your growth outside of Jesus, Paul wants them to understand that true biblical growth can only occur in Jesus. That if Jesus is really Lord and King overall, if he really is supreme, then what does that look like for your growth? What does that look like for your life, for King King Jesus to reign supreme even over your growth? Well, what it would mean is that Jesus determines how you are to live, that Jesus determines your priorities and your values, that Jesus guides your thinking, that that he determines the, the conduct of your life, that Jesus impacts how you parent, Jesus impacts how you talk to your spouse. Jesus impacts how you spend your money and and how you spend your time. That Jesus impacts how you think about singleness and and how it is that you're supposed to date and and why you're supposed to date. That Jesus impacts what what you look at on the computer and, and how you build relationships. That growing in Christ means that Jesus determines how we live our lives. And you could almost see this sense of urgency come out in this command. That as Paul is appealing to the Colossians to grow and walk in Christ, there is this urgency. And the reason why that there's this sense of urgency is because Paul knew the cost if they stopped growing in Christ. At the cost, if if the Colossians stopped growing in Christ, it, it would put into question if they really are saved. And that same cost is true for us, that if you and if I, if we stopped growing in Jesus, if we stopped becoming more and more like Christ, it would put into question if we've been genuinely saved. Because what the Bible teaches in 
And what the Bible lays out is that genuine believers never stop growing. That genuine believers, genuine followers of Christ, never stop looking more and more like Jesus. And sure, we're going to have seasons of complacency. We're going to have times where we're wrestling with sin. We're going to have seasons of that. But for genuine believers, your trajectory, the direction of your life is to look more and more and more like Jesus. And so is that true of you this morning? Is that true that that you look at your life and six months ago and a year ago and two years ago that there's more fruit in your life? That when you look two weeks ago, do do you look more like Jesus today? And, And are you growing in him? So Paul is trying to to press into them the the sense of urgency to continue on in your growing and and walking in Jesus. And Paul wants to spur them on to remember that you're not only in Christ, but you're supposed to look more and more like Christ. So that's the central command. Not only do we see that, but we see the shape of our growth. We see the shape of of our growth, or the posture of our growth, or what, what should characterize our growth. Look with me at verse 6 again. Paul says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Do you see it there? That Paul says to, to not only walk in Jesus, but he describes that, that our walking should be shaped by how we received Jesus. He says, Just as you received him, so walk in him. Now, now, what does this mean? Well, for those of you who, who are married, I want to take you back to your wedding day. And if you remember, on that wedding day, the way that you received your spouse should shape the nature of your marriage. And if you remember, on your wedding day, as, as you received one another, there was this sacredness There was this significance, there was almost this weight to that day, to to making a covenant before God and to the people there. And so the way that you received your spouse should shape the nature of your relationship as you continue to grow on with them. That there should be a sacredness to your growth in your marriage. There should be a seriousness because you've made this covenant before God and before others. And that's what Paul is getting at here, that in the same way, as you received Jesus, so walk in him. So it brings up the question, well, how did you receive Jesus? And for those of you who are followers of Jesus, just just remember the nature of how you received Christ. And what a glorious day that was, that the, the nature of you receiving Christ is the only thing that you brought to the table was your need. I mean, if you were really honest, the only thing that you brought to the table was your great need for Jesus. You didn't bring a spiritual resume that God looked at and said, man, I want that person on my team. No, no, all you brought was your need for Jesus, was your dependency upon Jesus, was your humility and your need for Christ. And if you remember how you received Jesus. There was almost this sense of urgency, this longing to be satisfied by your Savior. And what Paul is getting at here is in the same way, grow in Christ. Allow that dependency and that humility and that sense of urgency to be satisfied in Jesus. Allow that to characterize your growth in Jesus. 
rather than having your growth be characterized by complacency, by pride, as if you've spiritually arrived, or, or, brought, or by autonomy, thinking that you can grow outside of Christ. No, no, no. Allow your growth in Jesus to be shaped by how you received Christ. That's a good word. I mean, that, that was, it was so good for me to, to think through. H- how do I grow? What, what is the shape of my growth? What is my growth marked by? I want to ask you that this morning. What, how would you answer that? What is the shape of your growth? Is your growth characterized by a dependency, by a humility, by a sense of urgency, or is it shaped by complacency? Is it shaped by uh, almost having a contentment with, with where you are spiritually in Christ? I think what Paul is getting at here is just this really, really important principle that as we grow and as we become more like Christ, it's so dependent on what we're looking at. I think what Paul is getting at here is, is as you're growing and as you're pursuing sanctification, what are you looking at? What are the eyes of your soul fixed upon? And there's this principle all throughout Paul's writing is that you become what you behold, that you become what you behold, that whatever you're looking at, whatever you are delighting in, that's what you will become. We see that most clearly in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul says, and we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. Did you catch it there in that, in that verse? He says, when we behold the Lord, that's when we'll be transformed into his image. So I think what Paul is getting at here is that as we grow, our eyes need to be fixed upon Jesus and, and remember how we received him. That Jesus and, and the gospel is not the ABCs of Christianity, but Jesus and the gospel is actually A through Z. That, that everything about Christianity is centered upon Jesus, and that shapes our growth. That characterizes how we grow in Jesus. And so not only do we see the command to grow and the shape of our growth, but we also see the way to grow. And I, and I love this about this passage here. That Paul not only gives us this command, but very pastorally, he, he shows us how to grow what, what does it mean to grow as a follower of Jesus? Look, look with me at verses 6 and 7 again. He says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Now, as Paul is explaining the way to grow he uses four participles in verse 7. Now, a participle is just a, a verbal form used as an adjective or a noun, and he uses four of them. So let me just, let me just name them real quick here, and, I'll, and then I'll unpack them. Number one, it's being rooted in Christ. Number two, it's being built up in Christ. Number three, being established in the faith. And then number four, abounding in thanksgiving, all in verse 7 there. Now, the first two, being rooted and built up, they're closely related. They express this similar idea, and both are connected to being in Christ. And even though they're similar, it's important to note that they bring out different metaphorical pictures. 
that being rooted refers to agriculture, and being built up refers to construction. I found one commentary who was trying to unpack how these relate to growth very helpful. He says this, he says, together, rooted and built up in him, emphasize that believers can live lives that display the lordship of Christ only by remaining, like branches, firmly attached to the vine in which God has placed them, and by continuing to allow God to integrate them, like stones, into the new structure that is nothing other than Christ himself. Now what he's getting at here is that in Paul's view, and and what he's talking about here is the only way to grow is to attach yourself to Jesus Christ, to be connected to him, to have fellowship with Jesus. It's very similar to even what Jesus claimed in John 15, that Jesus said, abide in me and I in you. That as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And he says, I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. It's true that we are rooted and we are built up in him when we are connected to Jesus. And the way that we are connected to Jesus is, is by the word, by prayer, by private worship, using just the ordinary means of grace, using the spiritual disciplines to connect to Jesus. At the end goal is not to, not to tally your devotional life. It's not to make this into a legalistic exercise, but the goal is to enjoy Jesus to cherish Jesus. And and as we do that, we become more and more like Jesus. We grow like Jesus. It also begs the question, what is your life rooted in today? What is the anchor of your life? I, I was confronted with that question as I was reading this. It's almost hard to ignore. What is your life truly rooted in today? Is it Christ is it the king of kings, or, or is it something else? That could your life be rooted in, in what other people think of you? Could your life be, be rooted in how much money you make, or having a successful career, or looking a certain way in the mirror? What is your life rooted in? What is the anchor of your life? And in a great way to to kind of discern the answer to that question is, is by asking yourself this question. If something was taken from your life, then would your life absolutely crumble? That what in your life, if it was just taken away, would just destroy you, would just leave you in shambles? I was, I was confronted with, with that question as my parents went through a divorce when I was in college. And I was just confronted with that question because I, I felt the, the Spirit was just convicting me throughout the whole process of them getting a divorce, of, of the fact that, man, so much of my life was rooted in them. And so much of my life was, was rooted in just the stability of my parents having a healthy marriage or just the image of what that looks like in, instead of Christ. 
And so as they, they got a divorce, I was just confronted, and, and God, and, and in his word, just convicted me. Chris, you need to be rooted to me and me alone. And even my parents' marriage, you know, something that, that was a good thing, almost became an idol for me. That so much of my life was, was rooted in, in them instead of in Jesus. And, and so what about you this morning? What is your life truly rooted in? And Paul goes on to say that not only should our lives be rooted and, and built up in them, but it should be established in the faith. This is the third participle. He talks about being established, or it could be translated being strengthened or having a solid ground. And with this word, Paul summarizes what he expects to happen as, as a result of being rooted and being built up in Christ, that by sticking to their roots and being built up, we will be established in the faith. And so the reality of being rooted and being built up, it leads to, to not only being established in the faith, but it also leads to the fourth participle there, abounding in thanksgiving. And so if you are rooted in Christ, if you are being built up, you will be established in the faith. But not only that, but your life will be marked with thankfulness. And as you're reading this passage, if if you came across the thought of, it, this almost seems like a tack-on for Paul. It almost just seems like he's just tacking on this, this last little phrase at the end. And yet when you stop and think about the important role of thanksgiving in our growth, it's really, really vital. That when you think about thanksgiving, you, you can almost think about giving thanks to God as a measuring tool for your growth. That when you think about, okay, how do I measure my own growth? I, I would present to you, look at your thankfulness. Look to see if your life is marked by gratitude. In fact, if, if someone asks you after the service, tell me about your relationship with God. How much of your response would be marked with thankfulness to God? Or how much of your prayer life is drenched with gratitude? And so thankfulness, we, we see this this, this aspect of our relationship with God playing a very important role as we grow and become more like Jesus. You can ask the question, okay, thankful for what? Well, thankful for what God has done and what he continues to do. It's important for us to know that, that God is much more committed to your growth than you are. I love what Paul says in Philippians 1. He says, he who began a good work in you will complete it. And even Jude echoes the same theme. He says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. That God is committed to you becoming more and more like Jesus. And because that's true, it should result in us giving thanks to him. It should result in our lives being filled with gratitude. It's so important to know that this isn't up to you only, that you have the God of the universe and, and God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, who is working all things for your good to conform you to the image of Christ, that God is going to use anything and everything in your life to move you along in the area of looking more and more like Jesus, 
So you're rooted in him. So you're built up in him. So you're established in him. And so as a result, you're overflowing with thankfulness for what God is doing in your life. So Paul, he just lays it out there. Grow in Christ. Allow your growth to be characterized by how you received him. And he also talks about how to grow in our passage. And so with our remaining minutes this morning, I think it's on one hand important to know like how to grow in Christ as a disciple. But even for us at College Park, I think it's, it's important to understand what does that look like here at this church? What does it mean to grow as a disciple on more of a micro or a macro level here at College Park Fishers? And so if you're here this morning, you're wondering what that looks like. Um, It involves four key strategy points. And so many of you know our mission here. Our mission is to ignite a passion to follow Jesus. It's on a, a sign back there. It's something we try to talk about every single week. But the question that you should be wondering is how? How do we ignite a passion to follow Jesus? What, what does that mean? What, what's our strategy for growth at this church? And so this is just a, a helpful graphic for you to just to see that it involves four different elements of what it means to grow as a disciple and follower of Jesus. And the way that I almost want you to view uh, this strategy is these are kind of like hooks that you can put different things on. So if you're thinking through like, How does small groups fit in College Park? Well, you can put that on the hook of experiencing community. Or if you're wondering, okay, how does serving others, where where does that fit in as growing as a disciple here at College Park? Well, you can put that on the hook of embracing a calling. And so for just the next couple of minutes, I just want to unpack further uh, of what each of these strategy, strategy points looks like here at College Park Fishers, and then I'll give some examples of that. And so the first one, exalting Christ, exalting Christ. And this comes from because the gospel is true, it provokes heartfelt worship. Now what this means is is in everything that we do, we want to exalt King Jesus. That on Sunday mornings, we want to exalt Jesus. That in our small groups, we want to exalt Jesus. That as we're serving, we want to exalt Jesus. And this involves that corporately, yes, we will exalt Jesus, but even privately and personally, we want our people to exalt Jesus as you grow in your relationship with Christ. And so what this looks like is corporate worship and prayer at Sunday morning services and our fresh encounter services and our different prayer meetings will be exalting Christ. Not only that, but even in our private devotional life, we want to exalt Jesus And most importantly, in in everything that we do, we want to grow in seeing and enjoying the person and work of Jesus Christ. And hopefully you've noticed that even this morning, that the songs revolve around Jesus, the the praying revolves around Jesus, the, the preaching revolves around Jesus, because Jesus is the head pastor of this church, that Jesus is driving this church, and we submit to him. So the first one is exalting Christ. Number two, experiencing community. That because the gospel is true, the gospel also provides transforming truth. And so what this means is we want our people, we want you to be engaged in biblical community because we believe God wants his people to belong to a local church and membership, but also to do life with other people. 
that there's no such thing in the New Testament as a lone ranger believer, that we're all to be known and to know other people. And, and the primary vehicle here at College Park Fishers is small groups. And in fact, 85% of our members are in a small group, and that's absolutely fantastic. And we know that, that there are seasons of life that, that just doesn't allow small groups to occur, but we want our people to be engaged in community, whether that's in a small group or a Bible study or a discipleship relationship, because it's so important as you grow as a disciple to be known and to know other people. And so the way that this is unpacked here at College Park Fishers is being a member, that we want each and every person to be a member of this church so that you can be supported by the leadership and you can submit yourself to a local body. And also small groups and Bible studies and discipleship relationships. And then also kind of a unique feature of College Park Fishers is our church-wide social events, something that we just do for fun, just to build relationships and to build community. And so from time to time, we do just these church-wide pitch-ins. And so the next one is April 17th, just after the service, we're going to gather in the cafeteria and, and enjoy a, a meal together and just build relationships so that you're knowing people outside of even your small group. And so we want to experience community. Number three is um, equipping the church. Equipping the church. That here we're devoted to helping our people be equipped to not only live a godly life, but to help minister to other people. And so we want our people to, to know how to apply the gospel in different areas of their lives and to live out the gospel in their different relationships. And so we want our people to be increased with a knowledge of God and obedience to him. And so the way that this has worked out here at College Park Fishers is our Sunday morning equipping and training classes. And we've done one already where we, we focused on evangelism, and the next one uh, will be about the story of the Bible, just how to understand the flow of Scripture and how to apply it to your life. That'll be launching in a couple weeks. We also have the Think Conference that happens uh, every year, but we want our people to be equipped to have the right tools to apply the gospel in their life. And then the last here is embracing a calling, embracing a calling, that because the gospel is true, it produces deep unity. And so the strategy point, this talks about how each and every person is a missionary, that each and every person is, is seeking to make disciples here locally and even globally, that because the gospel is true, because you've received the gospel, that it not only goes in you, but it goes through you and it impacts those around you. And so we want our people to be engaged in discipleship, in sharing the gospel with, with people around you. And so you're not only living on mission outside the walls of the church, but even inside the walls of the church in the area of service, that we have just an, an incredible group of volunteers at this church, and we want more and more people to participate in serving the church in that way, because serving others is an important aspect of what it means to grow as a follower of Jesus. And so we want people to embrace that calling of not only serving, but living on mission outside the walls of the church. And so those, that's our strategy here at College Park Church, is that we want to ignite a passion to follow Jesus but this further unpacks how to do it and how to grow as a disciple. And, and please know my heart behind this is not 
man, let's just get everybody in a small group. Let's just get everybody in a, in a Bible study just for Bible study's sake. That's not the goal. Now remember, the goal is Jesus. That the goal is to experience Jesus, to delight in Jesus, and to enjoy Jesus. This is just a means to that end. This is just a strategy. But we want our people, we want everybody here and even outside the walls of the church to know Jesus, to follow Jesus, and to love Jesus. And that's what Paul's point in Colossians 2, to be rooted in him, to be built up in him, to be established in him, and to be thankful for Jesus. And so don't get me wrong here, the point, it's not the strategy, the point is Jesus. And so how does this resonate with you this morning? That as you look at the four different points here, as you're looking at your own life, and if you just stop for a moment and just did a, an evaluation of, of how you're growing spiritually, is there an area where, where you might be a little weak in? Is there an area where, where you need to maybe spend more time cultivating that in your own life? That what does it look like for you to grow as a disciple and as a, a follower of Jesus? And as we turn to, to one more song this morning, I just, I just want to encourage you to think about one area this morning that, that we want to kind of focus on today, and that's the area of, of service. That again, we have just an incredible amount of volunteers that, that serve, that, that make Sunday morning happen, that, that make small groups happen. And we have so many areas, so many different teams where, where people are being mobilized and they have ownership of this ministry. But the reality is, is that we do need more volunteers because we're growing as a church. So I just want to encourage you to, to think through that what area, if you're not serving, what area could you maybe take a step and learn more about in order to participate in the area of embracing a calling? And there's a car just, just on your chair this morning that, that we want you just to take and, and look through as, as we sing this last song and just allow the Holy Spirit maybe just to, just to prompt you to think through, you know what, I'm, I'm not serving, but, but I need to serve because it's important for my growth. And, and maybe there's an area there where it just jumps out to you that, yes, uh, I could see myself working in children's, or I could see myself being part of the setup or teardown team, or part of the tech team, or the greeting team. And to just allow space for, for God to, to kind of work in you, to maybe open up an opportunity for you to step in and to participate in serving others at this church. And for those of you, the many who are serving already, we just want to say thank you this morning. We want to say thank you because we know the time, the energy that you are sacrificing every single week just to make this ministry happen. And we are just so incredibly thankful for you. And, and so with that, we have a video that we want to show you, just a way to, to further uh, thank you and show our appreciation for you. And again, just while this video is being played, just take that card and just think through, is there, is there a step that I could take in perhaps serving in the ministry of this church? And then we'll, we'll sing one last song.